0: Om Sahana Vabato Sahana Vabato Sahana Vabato Sahaviryan Karavavahai Tejasvinavadhitamastumavidvishavahai Om Shanti 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 Shrutis Mritipurananam Aalayam Alayam Layam Namami Bhagavat Padam Shankaram Loka Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Bhadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Kruta Vande bhagavanta punah punah ishvaro gurur atme re murti bheda vibhagine bhumam avadyaptadehay Read from namaha verse 5 uddharela Atmai vahyatmano bandhu Atmai vahyatmano bandhu Atmai vahyatmano bandhu Yena ye Nenei Vatma Yena ye Atmei Vatmana Jitaha Yena Atmei Vatmana jita Jitaha Anatmana Paramatma Samahitaha Varamat Shitos Sukha Sri Toshasukadukeshu Tathamana Pamana Yo Tatamana <coughs> Atmana Atmanam May you lift yourself by yourself. At may you not let the Atma the self to may you not may you not destroy yourself or may you not allow the self to slip down? May you always be vigilant to lift yourself. What is meant by lifting yourself or what is meant by being submerged in the ocean of samsara? is that in the mind constantly a battle between these two kinds of forces is going on. What Lord Krishna calls the divine forces, the divine tendencies and the demoniac tendencies. The divine tendencies described as fearlessness, non-violence, truthfulness, etc. The compassion of forgiveness are described as divine tendencies. At the same time, because of ignorance, There is this arrogance, there is this pride, there is this uh, harshness, anger, etc. All these demoniac tendencies are also there. So Lord Krishna says that one must always be vigilant, because at every moment both these tendencies try to register themselves, both these tendencies try to influence you, and usually the demoniac tendencies are stronger and if one is not very careful then it is likely that one may come under their sway. and therefore there must be vigilance and all the time asserting one's divine tendencies which is one's true nature. The uh, the demoniac tendencies are not, is not of our nature. As I said, they are incidental because of ignorance and they can be removed and they should be removed. Then alone, Bhindvarātmātmanasthya stya yenātmī So one who has conquered these demoniac tendencies, one in whose heart the divine tendencies rule, to that, for that person, the ātmā, the self becomes strength, self becomes helpful. Anatmanastu shatrutve On the other hand, one who has not done this, meaning one whose mind is controlled by these demoniac tendencies, such as lust or anger or greed and whatever, there the very self acts as an enemy. Self is self, is neither friend nor enemy. Electricity is electricity. The electricity can be friend if you properly use it, by inserting a bulb in the holder or by using, you know, plugging in a fan, etc. The same electricity also can burn me and hurt me if I insert my fingers into the plug, you know, so into the uh, into the holder. So same thing. Atma is Sachidananda really. It, it cannot be friend or enemy. But then in presence of the self, the mind becomes enlivened. The tendencies of the mind become enlivened in the presence of self. And therefore, if the demonic tendencies are predominant, they also get unleavened. Unfortunately, Atma does not oppose anything. The consciousness, the Satchidana Self, does not oppose anything. In the 13th chapter described, it is upadastha anumanta. It is the most proximate witness and permitter of everything. Just as electricity will permit everything that you connect. It can be something which is very helpful, it could be something which is hurtful also. This is how the nature is of everything in the universe. Like the energy, atomic energy, can be used for peaceful purposes, can also be used for destructive purposes. And so, also the energy that we have can be used for peaceful purposes or destructive purposes as well. <clears throat> Therefore, Lord Krishna says that be vigilant. And, always be, uh, make an effort to see that your divine nature, your divine tendencies always prevail. That requires alertness. That requires an understanding of the mind also. As I said, one way of dealing with these demonic tendencies is by what we call, bhavana by deliberately taking the opposite side, anger arises because I cannot tolerate someone or cannot tolerate something, and thus that anger can be refused by a spirit of tolerance, tolerating, accepting, forgiving. Jealousy arises because I see somebody. Progressing, I see somebody better than me, somebody getting what I want and I do not get, jealousy arises. Meaning that, what jealousy shows is that, I'm unhappy because somebody is happy. So what is pratipakshabhana? What's the opposite? Be happy because somebody is happy. (coughs) Tell your mind. This understanding these tendencies and understanding how to deal with them, that we have to learn which is what Vedanta teaches us. But all along, be always vigilant to assert your true nature. Recognize that by nature, true nature, you and I and everyone is, as we say, a loving, kind, good person. That is our nature. And all the time, we should be striving to assert that nature. Uddhared Atmana Atmanam This is how one should lift oneself up by oneself. Because Atma, the mind, has come under the control of this demoniac forces, because we were not vigilant, because we did not do any better. So it is there. So we begin from where we are, without worrying about why it happened. I won't worry about the cause of it. Swami, is it because of my childhood? Maybe. Because of past karma? Maybe. Because of this? All these reasons can be there, but this is what it is. However it is, without blaming anybody else and without blaming myself, this is what it is. And we have to, we have to start. Jita Atmana because the reward is great, Jita one who has just conquered oneself completely, many one who has made one's mind free from all these demonic forces, one in whose mind, the, the divine tendencies, as I said, of non-violence, truthfulness, compassion, forgiveness, they rule. And for that no effort is to be made because that's our nature. They will never go away. Once these intruders have been removed, so these are all the intruders. Anger are all the intruders. They have no place really but they have come. And I have allowed them to come and then they have become now the rulers. Once they are driven away, then one naturally abides in one's nature, which is divine. Meaning, which is this divine, the divine tendencies represent my nature. Jitātmanā prashantasya, And so, there is no conflict whatever. Because when I am non-violent, when I am truthful, when I am loving, when I am compassionate, then I am totally in harmony with my own self. And therefore there is no conflict at all. Then I find myself totally at peace with myself. I find myself very happy with myself. Totally accepting of myself. Quite content with myself. And ever, Prashantasya, uno enjoys a t- total tranquility. Paramatma samahidaha So, two ways this is explained. Atma param samahitaha or paramatma samahitaha. As Shankarajari says, paramatma, my true nature, Sachidananda samahitaha, the self manifests. Brahman which is my nature, is manifest. Because Brahman of course or atma is self-shining, self-revealing. There is no obstacle to that really. Sun is always self-shining, nothing can prevent the sun from shining and revealing itself. But the clouds can deprive us of the experience of sunshine by blocking our vision. It is not that clouds are really blocking the sun. Sun is too vast, clouds are too small. But the clouds can obstruct our vision. And so, so it is not that the self has become, self is not really veiled by anything, it is always shining in its own glory. But these demoniac tendencies are depriving us, depriving our mind of the experience of the Self, of the benefit of Self. When these obstructions are removed, then the Self in fact shines, is experienced, reveals itself through me, through my mind, through my personality, in its on its, in its total nature, in its fullness. Therefore, Paramatma, Samahita, the Paramatma, the Self that is limitless becomes evident. So therefore, this person now becomes an instrument where the Self, Paramatma, Satchidananda, just manifests to him. And this is in fact what each one of us has to achieve. You, and the method is simple. Just not giving to our demoniac tendencies, not always asserting our divine tendencies, that's all. In every situation, assert my true nature. Every time my cruelty comes up, I assert a kindness there. Every time some violence comes up, I assert non-violence there. Every time dishonesty reaches the head, I just subdue it by honesty. Uddhared Atmana Atmanam. Paramahatma Samahitaha. Then atma param samahitaha. Mind is totally absorbed in the self. Mind totally abides in the self. <clears throat> and it remains abiding. Meaning that, that I am, I am Satchitananda. That I am complete. That I am free. This knowledge, or this experience, whatever you call it, never goes away, regardless of what the situations are. I am subject to being impacted by situations as long as these demoniac tendencies are ruling in my mind. <coughs> as long as anger etc. are ruling my mind so long, I am subject to being controlled by the situation because the world or situation can keep on pushing various buttons and invoke these tendencies from me. When they are gone, then there are no buttons left. And therefore, whether it is mana, pamana, whether it is honor or dishonor, no button is pushed. Otherwise, when somebody honors me, the button of my pride is pushed. When somebody dishonors me, the button of my depression is pushed. When the condition is comfortable, again, some button is pushed. Every time, a button is pushed. No buttons are left. As we say, like a, a screw without a thread, you keep on tightening, nothing happens also. The world can keep on tightening, but all the threads, all, all these things are gone. And therefore, the wise person abides in his true in his fullness. Regardless of what the external situations are, he has become impervious, he has become totally uh, unaffected. Namam karma limbandi, name karma pales Lord Krishna says that actions and things, they just do not affect me at all. This person remains unaffected. Not that he has become thick-skinned. Not that he has become insensitive. Not that he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't… He understands this is called honor and this is dishonor. Not that he doesn't understand that. But nothing touches him. He realizes that honor, dishonor all belongs to the body, mind. complex. doesn't belong to the self. Just as an actor who is acting in the, on the stage as a beggar, he knows that in this play, whatever insult is given is to the beggar, to the costume and not to me. If in the play this fellow wins a lottery, but the actor knows that he's not to me, he's only in the role. And therefore, when this clarity is there, the success and failure, all that is, all of these belong to the role always belong to the level of body-mind complex and in presence of self this is going on. When the distance is clear, when I do not equate myself to my body-mind, when I do not judge myself by the limitations of them because I know who I am, then this limitation is not a problem. Vedanta teaches limitlessness in spite of limitations. And therefore the limitations of training of the body, it doesn't matter, because I know they don't belong to me. And somebody can hurt me, can hurt what? My body. Or can hurt my mind, hurt the intellect. Somebody can insult, somebody can honor, all of these only applies to the role, applies to the costume, doesn't apply to me. And therefore, for for, a he is always absolutely at peace with himself and at peace with the world also. (coughs) This is called jivan Muktaha. This is a description of a person who is liberated while alive. So this is called moksha. Moksha is nothing other than this. It is not achieving reaching some different realm or some kind of Changes happening in the body, etc., they are not necessary. For being liberated, no change is required, really, except the change in the mind, that's all. Inasmuch as the mind is the vehicle or medium through which myself expresses, and therefore, yes, we require transformation there. The same person is described further in the eighth verse. <coughs> Vijnana Vigñāna Triptātmā kuta stovijitendriya, yukta ity Yogi yukaty chateyogi, See, the description of the wise person is for us to learn what is spontaneous for the wise person should become our values. If he is his eye, his, his mind abides undisturbed. His mind enjoys complete tranquility. In these various situations called heat and cold, pleasure and pain, honor and dishonor, understand these are typical examples of what are call Dvandva or the pairs of opposite. Shita, Sukha, Tatha, Mana, Shita means cold, Ushna means hot. These are at the level of physical body. Sukha, Sukha is pleasure, dukkha is pain, this is at the level of intellect, um, at the level of mind, which feels happiness and happiness. mana pa mana mana and apmana, honor and dishonor, at the level of intellect. It is intellect that becomes honor, intellect that becomes dishonor, intellect that feels successful, intellect. so these are judgments of intellect, whether it's honor or dishonor, success or failure. Therefore Lord Krishna here gave these examples of heat and cold, pleasure and pain, honor and dishonour of representing various experiences happening at the different aspects of our personality. That is the physical body, we have physical personality, an emotional personality, an intellectual personality, at all the levels experiences keep on happening. In our life, we can try to create comfort to the extent that we can. It is not that we have to jump into a discomfort or dishonor. We can create comfort within reasonable limit. We can stay away from dishonor within reasonable limit. We can do avoid, we can avoid pain within certain limits. But although it's impossible to avoid these things totally. And not only that, Lord Krishna says that trying to avoid this thing requires so much effort that you cannot do the important things important thing is to work with me important thing is a self purification important thing is to contemplate it upon the self important thing is to gain the knowledge and gain about that's the real thing to be done and there were anything else you be done to a minimum extent if you try to create comfort all around us or try to make things conducive to us that itself takes so much effort that the main thing then doesn't get done. That is why Lord Krishna says tam sitikshaswa you put up with them. Bear with them. agamā pāyana anityaḥ tam sitikshaswa bharata. Hey Bhai Arjuna these things are always subject to coming and going. Nothing is permanent. therefore, let them come and go. You put up with them and do what you need to do. Then the eighth verse said, jnana vijnana triptatma. Again describing a wise person, tripta One whose atma of the mind is tripta, is content. So one finds contentment. One finds satisfaction. From where? So whenever we ask this question, When do you feel happy? Even a child will tell me, Swamiji, whenever my desire is satisfied, whenever I get something that I want. So it is taken for granted that happiness comes whenever we get something that we want, whenever our desire is satisfied. This is a great misconception. It is this misconception about what happiness is, that always makes me chase what I look upon as objects of happiness. It makes me avoid what I look upon as objects of unhappiness. (coughs) Whereas, the real source of happiness is one's own self. There is no happiness anywhere else, nor unhappiness anywhere else. Understand? World is world, the objects are objects. Whether they give me happiness or unhappiness, is depends upon how perce- I perceive them. I empower things to give me happiness, and I empower them to give me unhappiness. They are poor things. They, they are what they are. there are some usefulness. That's all. God has created the universe, some of which, of which objects are useful to me. Then you can use them for that purpose but happiness has to come from the self. And we've been saying that the only thing that deprives me of the experience of happiness for myself are all these demoniac tendencies, which Lord Krishna has reduced to two, Raga and Dvesha. These include all these negative tendencies, which in turn arise from ego, the sense of individuality, (coughs) which in turn is a product of ignorance of the self. So ultimately all this has to go. The first and the grossest level of that we see are the lust and anger and greed and jealousy called likes and dislikes. (coughs) The second level is what we call ego, sense of individuality with its own insecurities, with its own needs. And finally it is ignorance, not knowing that in fact, happiness or wholeness is my nature. Looking upon myself as a limited individual, that this is a product of ignorance. And ignorance goes by constantly exposing ourselves to the teaching of Vedanta. So all these obstacles have to go. But the first obstacles that are addressed are what are most evident they are called raga advesha, dvesha or what you may call the demonic tendencies of the mind. Second obstacle that is then addressed is what we call the ego sense of individuality where I have this notion that I am the doer I am the enjoyer the kartrutva bhoktrutva. <clears throat> Therefore Lord Krishna would say that do not have a, a, a pride do not have, an, an, you know, uh, too much of consciousness that I am doing this. Yes, you are doing something all right, but recognize that in your doing, so much of grace is involved. So to subdue that ego, Lord Krishna says that, may you function as my devotee, become a devotee. nimitta mataram, bhava savya Here, Juna may become a nimitta recognize that ultimately I who is doing this and you are an instrument in my hand. (coughs) So karma yogi looks upon himself as an instrument. Still some ego is there but it is highly subdued ego understand sattvic ego. Therefore devotee is also an ego but sattvic ego. So first ragatveshas by giving up the attachment to the results of the action, by the Prasada Buddhi accepting whatever comes as Prasada Vishwara, and then dealing with the ego of looking upon myself as the servant of the Lord, or devotee of the Lord, with humility, with sense of devotion. And finally, even that subtle ego also goes away by the knowledge that in fact Brahman or Sachidananda is my nature, that even that Kartavitva, Bhogtavitva also is not my true nature. <clears throat> this is how progressively the obstacles which inhibit the manifestation of my true nature, these obstacles, they get progressively removed. And when all the obstacles are totally removed, then a person gets abiding or established in the happiness or contentment, which is his own nature. Meaning that he is happy or content for no reason at all. When you ask an ordinary person, why are you happy? Swami?" because I got a job, I got married, I have a son, whatever. When t- desirable things happen, ask this person, why are you happy? Just, well, I can't be unhappy. Why are you happy? Because I am. Cause of his happiness is what? Because I am. Not that I am good, bad, or indifferent. Not where I am, what I am is not the cause of his happiness. Why is he happy? I am. Can you imagine this? A person is happy because he is. To be itself is so great that he doesn't need anything more he does not need anything more for him to be happy other than that I am that I am conscious that itself is so the cause of his happiness is reduced to being so simple and nobody can rob me of I am nobody can rob me of I am conscious ahamasmi Hami. I am, and I shine, that nobody can rob me. What I have, somebody can rob me. Where I am, somebody can, you know, uh, remove me from where I am. Somebody can take away from me, you know, what I possess. But nobody can ever take away from me the fact that I am. I shine or wise person this has become the cause of his happiness contentment why do you content? because I am because what is that that I am it still happens to be limitless understand that I am happens to be limitless I am has no shape no form no attributes I am is not limited in time it is not at some it is at a given time that I am no I am is not limited to time, not limited to place. It doesn't have any attributes, no form. It's limitless. It's only when we add some tales to the I am that I am a man, that's then that I am becomes limited. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm great, I'm small. Whatever tales when we add or attributes we add, that I am becomes limited. You know, all attributes belong to the body-mind complex. I am attributeless. That's the knowledge. Jnana vijnana triptatma. His tripti, or the contentment, or total satisfaction, comes from knowledge that I am, that is, I am Brahman. Jnana vijnana triptatma. Triptatma here, atma, he, in this particular expression means, atma means mind. Triptatma, one whose mind is totally content. One is totally content by Jnanam and Vijnanam. Jnanam also means knowledge, Vijnanam also means knowledge really. However, when these two words are used together, Jnana, vijnana then we have to, we have to give a slightly different interpretation because two words are used therefore, they must convey two slightly different things. If word Jnanam or vijnanam is used by itself, then it would mean the same. But inasmuch as, both the words are used in the same sentence, the same expression, they have to convey some different meaning, because when two words are there, two meanings must be there. Therefore, word jnanam is explained as, what they call paroksha jnanam, or indirect knowledge. And word vijnanam is explained as, aparoksha jnanam, or immediate knowledge. <coughs> what is meant by indirect knowledge is the knowledge that comes to us when we expose ourselves to the teaching and with, when with all the reasoning it is pointed out to us or we are made to see <coughs> that yes, self is Brahman, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to me that limitlessness should be, should be my nature. It makes sense to me that non-duality alone has to be real. It makes sense to me that duality is mitya. It is some relative reality, it doesn't have absolute reality. And therefore, advitiya, a non-dual, is real, makes sense to me. That I am limitless or I am self of all is all makes sense. So everything makes sense. I have no question about it. I have no doubt about that. So this knowledge that we gain by exposure to the scriptures can be called gnanam, paroksha jñānam or let's say indirect knowledge, <coughs> meaning that it has not yet become a reality for me. <coughs> See, for example. When we hear a discourse on the value of non-violence, let us say, what is non-violence or what is truthfulness, when you hear the discourse, understand what non-violence is. Not to hurt anybody by body, by my words, by my thoughts. Not to hurt anybody's emotions, not to hurt them at the level of body. I understand. And this is also what causes violence. My anger causes violence, therefore, I must keep my anger under control. I must subdue my anger by pratipaksha bhavana, by compassion, by forgiveness. Everything is very clear to me, I, I, I have no question about it. And still, when the real time comes, sometimes I am not able to display non violence, again, the anger seems to take hold of me. Which means that That knowledge of non-violence or knowledge of truthfulness has not yet become a reality for me. To make that knowledge reality requires some practice. What kind of practice? Every time the anger arises because there is some, as we say, there are some built-in patterns of thinking and built-in patterns of behavior. They just do not go even by understanding. But then, that understanding has to be, has to be asserted or practiced again and again. Every time the tendency of anger comes up, I must again, I must uh, neutralize it by my, by compassion. But by having it comes up again. Again and neutralized. Comes up again, I again neutralize. So you can see how before our ideal, before our knowledge, before understanding, before it becomes a reality, there is very often a, a time gap involved and, a, and also an effort involved. <coughs> That's why in yoga samsiddha kālena atmanivindati. in the fourth chapter Lord Krishna said that in yoga samsiddha, when a person becomes perfected in yoga, then in course of time, the person will gain this knowledge, in his own self. Similarly also, that I am Brahman is very clear to me. But my habit, of taking myself to the body, is so age old, that when I am not alert, I fall back into the trap, again and again and again. Those patterns of thinking, of taking myself to be limited is also so age old that again again I take myself to be a limited being. Like this beggar standard story of a beggar who has been begging for the whole of his life for fifty years and has become an expert beggar. So what is his knowledge? I'm a beggar. And therefore Whenever a situation arises, when somebody is, is giving something, distributing something, he's a beggar. He immediately reaches out there and he's so expert that he can push himself in the front and like grab right away because he has acquired all those skills over his lifetime. Thus, he's established in the knowledge that I'm a beggar. And by somebody's advice, This person started buying lottery every month. Just like that. And maybe his destiny would have it. To his greatest surprise, he won the lottery once and overnight he became a multimillionaire. Now he knows that I am a rich man, but the knowledge that I am rich has not yet settled into him. Therefore, that beggariness comes back again and again you know sometimes these girls when they get married they go to their in-laws the girl comes from a very poor background in their home they were always very frugal using everything very cautiously not wasting anything reusing things again and again not throwing anything away this is how it was in their home this girl gets married in a family which is very wealthy now she doesn't have to use every piece of paper and, you know, every paper towel and stuff like that. She doesn't reuse it. She can just dispose it off. But doesn't, that doesn't happen. She continues that habit. It would take her quite some time to really get settled in this family and that culture to settle, sink into her and for her to recognize that I am now in a wealthy family. That there's no need to become so frugal, you know, or to be so chinsy. <coughs> So also this man didn't become, because of winning the lottery, he didn't become rich overnight but then it would take some time before the fact that is rich sinks into him. And now he has a very big house, he has a very big car and a chauffeur and he has gone to uh, have darshan at Mahalakshmi temple which is where he spent whole of his life begging. Because beggars are at the hour, you know, they're all sitting in a row outside the temples. His car is parked in the row, his chauffeur is, opens the door, he walks out with his keys, you know, making noise and letting the whole world know how rich he is. Goes to Goddess Mahalakshmi, prays there because by her grace has become rich. Is returning. And there... On the outside veranda of the temple porch, he sees a man with a big basket of laddus, the sweets, distributing to the beggar. And there is a whole crowd of beggars. God knows what happened to this man. At what time he went into that crowd. How he pushed himself ahead of everybody. How he grabbed not one but two laddus and triumphantly returned, came back to his car, chewing that munching on the laddu. When he saw the car, when he saw the chauffeur, he realized, wait a minute. So he just forgot that he was a rich man. His old habit of taking himself as a beggar, just overtook him. So jnana to become vijnana. Meaning that, the knowledge must become a reality for me. Meaning that we have to get rid of all the habitual errors. Habitual errors of wrong thinking and wrong behavior, two kinds of errors are there. So far I've been giving reality to duality and to my sense of individuality and now I know that is wrong but still my old patterns of thinking take hold of me. So far I've always been acting as a limited individual and that again takes hold of me. So even after we, expo- we are exposed to Vedanta and we come to learn, know this, then also we have to continue hard work in terms of overcoming these demoniac tendencies, of changing our intellectual patterns and our behaviors. Then that jñānam becomes vijnanam. That knowledge becomes a reality. This is true for everything. I mean you go to medical school and learn, that's called Jnanam. Person goes to Ayurvedic school, learns about Ayurveda, there is this knowledge, Jnanam. But he must actually practice with an old Ayurvedic physician, an established Ayurvedic physician. He must be there as an intern for several years and should actually see how the medicines are made, how actually they are administered, how this is actually done, so, whatever he has learned in theory, how it is practiced, he must actually see it being demonstrated and then it becomes his vijnana. Jnana, vijnana, triptatma. So, the wise person is triptatma, one who is completely content, completely satisfied because of what? Because of jnana and vijnana, because of his knowledge and because of his abidance. Meaning that because the fact, because the fact that I am limitless or I am happiness become a reality for him. In other words, all the, all the inhibitions of strengthening the manifestation of his true self have been removed and that he abides in his true nature of limitlessness. Therefore, his trupti contentment comes from himself. So, what's the source of his happiness? He himself is a source of happiness because that is a real happiness. Jnana vijnana triptatma. One is totally content. What is tripti? Tripti means contentment. What is contentment? When in my mind there is this disposition, this is enough, adequate. For example, while enjoying a very favorite dish of mine, it may be kheer or, 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 you know, pious. So, I'm enjoying pious. And the person who serves me knows Swami likes that, you know. So, Swami a little more, okay. Fill up the, fill up the category again. So, a little more. I keep saying, no, but inside, she knows the inside, Swami wants So fill up again. one katori, two katoris, three, four, and I said, no, enough. ho hogaya. Sanjata alam pratyah. Enough. enough. That's the, that kind of uh, a, a disposition arising in me, enough. I am tripta, tripto asmi. I am completely content. So we have experience of contentment, now and then, when, they say, Eat to your heart's content or enjoy to your heart's content. So people go to these movies in these, all these multiplexes, theatre theatres, so many movies are there. They go at two o'clock and they're in the movie theatre until ten o'clock, you know. Go from here to there, there to there, there to the heart's content. When the early eighties when this television came to India, people were watching well, the, the whole... Sunday is a holiday so Saturday night they start watching movies and movies and movies and, and half of Sunday until they are totally satisfied or whatever happens you know, contented, no more. This is contentment. Here the wise person is contented with himself. Jnana, vijnana trupta in the knowledge that I am limitless, it's completely content, completely satisfied. That means ananda. Contentment is Ananda. The knowledge itself is Ananda, understand? When jñānam, knowledge creates contentment, which what? Knowledge is of the nature of Ananda. That is what is Satchit Ananda. Or Satyam jñānam Anandam. What is Jnana Anandam? You know Anandam. And therefore, totally satisfied in the very knowledge of himself. Kutastha. And therefore, he has become kutastha So, what is kutastha? Changeless. Kuta. Kuta means anvil. When a goldsmith, for example, is making his various ornaments from gold, uses an anvil, upon which these ornaments are formed. An ironsmith also uses an anvil, Upon which he makes different articles. He takes a rod and bends it, does various things. The anvil is the platform upon which various changes are going on. The articles are made and they undergo changes and transformations, whereas the anvil remains what it is. (coughs) So, anvil does not change. Whereas, the various ornaments or articles being made on anvil, they keep on changing. So the anvil is changeless in the midst of changes. And so also a wise person is called Kutastha, he is changeless in the midst of changes. He is changeless, meaning that his mind is changeless, meaning that the mind is totally tranquil. He is free from any reactions, whatever. He is free from any reactions of anger, etc., in spite of the occasions being there, in spite of the various triggers being there, in spite of the tempting objects are there, but his mind is not tempted. So when is my mind tempted? When there are tempting things around, (coughs) when do I get tempted? When I feel a little void inside. When I'm a little bored, little, little uh, feeling void, feeling moodless, feeling a little sad, not feeling good about myself. That is when things are going to tempt me, remember this. Otherwise you don't bother. If you're happy with yourself, nothing will tempt you because the reason why I reach out for those tempting objects is only just to feel good feel happy because I'm not feeling happy as I am and therefore I need those things so I remember many years ago while working you know at about four o'clock by the, the whole day is gone and you get a little bored by that time that's why there are coffee you know at three thirty there is coffee and nine o'clock there is coffee and just to I guess keep you in good mood By four, four four-thirty you get bored. I remember walking down from my office to the first floor where there was these vending machines. You have a coin, maybe what is it, a quarter or whatever, insert. A big candy comes out, no? Big chocolate candy. That used to be the, the routine. Because why do you go in for, why do you reach out for those things? because you are bored, you are not happy. So who gets tempted? Person who is not quite content with himself, he gets tempted. Who can be triggered? Who can be provoked? You just tell me one word and I get provoked. Who can be provoked into anger? person has many buttons who is basically not feeling good about himself. There are many things about me which I am not happy about, which I am not willing to confront. There are many things about me about which I am not satisfied or I am not happy or I do not like them. There are many things about me which I do not like to accept or not like to confront. There is certain this time I fail, I never like to say that, I do not like to even think about it. There is something I could not, whatever, whatever it is that I am ashamed of. What is that I am not happy about? So those things are all there, which I do not want to confront. And sometimes people insist upon bringing those things out. So what happened? I don't want to talk about it. What happened? That evening you went there, then what happened? Nothing happened. No, no, but then... I tried to avoid. He keeps on pushing, pressing. Sometimes by their persistence people manage to compel me to confront a situation I am trying to avoid and immediately I get angry because I don't want to confront it. So anger comes because I am not willing to confront or not willing to accept parts of my own self. And you remind me or you push me to that somehow. A wise no, person is completely content with himself, total self acceptance. And therefore, nobody can provoke him. There is nothing to provoke. Therefore, he cannot get angry. Not because he doesn't understand what is happening there. He understands what the other persons are doing. But doesn't get provoked, doesn't get tempted. So, that is what is meant by kutastha. One to enjoys the complete tranquility of the mind. Who is changeless, meaning who is non-reacting completely. Because all the causes of reactions are removed in the wake of knowledge. Through hard work, uddharet, atmana, atmanam, may you lift yourself by yourself. vijitendriya <clears throat> Because the mind is contented, mind is prashantatma, prashanta, totally tranquil, cheerful, and therefore, his sense organs also are quite composed. because now no urges are left. The urge of enjoying something, urge of indulging, all of these urges is there as long as there is inadequacy inside, but now no urges left. Therefore, his organs or sense organs also are completely free of any urges, any internal pressure. He is free from all internal pressure, of having to go out and do something, get something, nothing at all. Because totally content with himself. Therefore, Vijitaya one who has complete mastery over his sense organs, chare, this person is called Yuktaha, he is called a yogi. So then yogi is a person who is completely content with himself, whose mind is totally tranquil and therefore not being subject to being provoked or disturbed or agitated and who is a complete mastery over his sense organs, his personality without any effort, understand. Usually yogi is a person who restrains things but here is a wise person in whose case, because of jnanam vijnanam, because of knowledge, and because of knowledge become reality, this is a spontaneous thing, effortlessly. So who is a yogi? Truptatma, one, who enjoys complete contentment in himself. Kutastaha, one, whose mind is free from all reactions. vijitendriya one, who has a complete control over his sense organs, meaning, to him, the mind and sense organs have become friends. They become totally favorable to him. And therefore, there is no need to resist or create any, any difficult, any problems. Yuktahitya This person is called Yogi. Yuktah, Samahitah, one who completely abides in himself. <clears throat> what is his attitude towards things? How does he behave in his day-to-day life? Lord Krishna says, Sama Losta Kanchana. He is sama he is equal to Loshta, Ashman, Kanchana. Loshta means a clod of earth, a clod of mud or clay, it's called Loshta. Ashman means what? A stone. Kanchana means gold. Sama means he is even-minded to all of this. Whether it's gold, whether it's a stone, or whether it's clay, clay, you know, whatever, a lo- you know, lump of clay. some uh, he is even-minded to all of them. Meaning that, the gold does not attract him, the gold does not create in him a desire that I must have it, gold does not tempt him, nor a clod of earth create any aversion in him. His mind is totally free from attachment and aversion and therefore the objects of the world cannot provoke him anymore. We get provoked by what is around us. So what we look upon as desirable, those things provoke us by creating temptations and making me go after them. Those things that are undesirable also provoke me. By creating an aversion and trying to push them away, or avoid them, or get rid of them, but this person is Tupta Atma, who is content with himself, never content with everything. Therefore, even-minded. What is even-minded? Free from any reaction of attachment and aversion. Gold is a very precious metal, so this person recognizes gold as gold. Not that his eyes do not see, not that his mind does not notice, he does. That this is gold, this is a stone, this is a cloud of earth, he recognizes. And anything else, yes, these are examples. Whatever else is there, not only these three things, anything that is there, he recognizes them because he perceives them like everybody else. Except that these things do not create in him any reaction. Reaction is created because of my perception. See, gold creates in me a reaction in terms of a desire to get it because I look, I perceive that as something valuable to me. Gold is valuable is one thing. Valuable to me is another thing. Just because it's valuable, I may not necessarily bother about it or I may not necessarily want it. But becomes valuable to me, then I want it. Yes, I mean you would say that for a child, your marbles are very valuable, you know. Children are playing with marbles, they win the marbles, they have a bomb, in which they store it, shake it, be you know, satisfy the sound, they just, today I have made some more marbles, I won some more marbles, happy. And he won't part with a single marble, even if his younger sister comes, man, forget it. Because, Marble is very valuable to him. When he becomes father, his five-year-old son says, Man, Dad, will you play marble with me? Sure. He plays marble with his son. But now, marble is no more valuable to him because he has found other valuable things anyway. To his son, marble is very valuable. To him, it's okay. If it's there, fine. No, he doesn't mind losing it. Formerly he was very particular, and then if necessary he'll cheat also to make sure he wins. No more, <coughs> he'll fight. Hey, you cheated! You, know? you just see children, you know? They fight more than they play. No more. He's very generous. He lets his son win because marble whether something is valuable is a matter of perception. And therefore, marble is no more valuable to him. As far as you say, if it is golden marble, then it's a different matter. Perhaps, you know. But things are valuable because we are not valuable to ourselves, that's a problem. Since I have not discovered value for myself, therefore, things in the world are very valuable to me. When you recognize that, you are the valuable you are quite sufficient for yourself. That's why tripta atma being content with what he is with no incentive to be different. No incentive to change itself. No incentive to be different because quite content with the way I am. What I am? (coughs) So he recognizes that gold is a valuable thing but then he doesn't have value for it because it's not valuable for him. Therefore there is no incentive or there is no reaction on part to acquire, pick up that thing. Otherwise, we'll lo- you know, when walking about, seeing a piece of a gold coin there, I look around. Actually, sannyasi is not supposed to, but then I look around. Nobody is watching, I pick up. Somebody is watching, I'll go by as so though I don't care. But it creates a temptation to pick it up. Because... It is valuable to me. I think that by acquiring gold corn, I'll become more valuable than what I am. I'm not valuable as I am. And by acquiring that, I'll become more valuable. Therefore, I pick up. Some of trash. Man, why would this cloud of earth? I, I get rid of it. It's in my house. I want to get rid of it. Because, because of being there, I'm less valuable. Therefore, I want to get rid of it. But one must recognize his own value. Understand that this is not only for wise person, for everybody. When you recognize that you are, the, you are the most valuable. Ocean recognize that I am full. He doesn't run after the rivers, come on, send invitation letters, please come to me. Oh, rains, please come to me. No, because rivers and, and rains get water from the ocean. Samalus, <laughs> they Makantana, He Upade buddhi. Usually we relate to the things and beings of the world by either here I want to get rid of them I want to acquire them. So thing usually creates in me a reaction I want it I don't, I don't want it one of the two. Nothing creates that reaction in him I want it or I don't want it. Its present doesn't make him more valuable or doesn't make it less valuable his contentment cannot be affected in any way. Therefore he is totally even minded to everything. <coughs> next was also described that we will see it in the next class. Om Pur Namada, Pur Namidam, Pur Namada Chere, Pur Nasya Pur Namada, Yapur Nameva Om. Shante 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Kesavam Badarayanam Sutra Shakruta Vande Bhagavanta Punapuna Ishvaro Guru Ratme Murti Bhai Devi Vyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurthayanamaha Om Shanti Shanti Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari